This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. John Charles is the owner, founder, uh, originator, and just the brain behind the Healthy Roots Dolls. And she founded this project, this company, uh, really, when she was a student uh, at the Rhode Island School of Design. And she was inspired by a class project uh, wherein she was challenged to redesign Rapunzel and reimagine her. Uh, and as a result, she reimagined Rapunzel with brown skin and coily hair to show that, quote, black girls can be princesses, too. Uh, Yalitza Jean-Charles, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. So I remember seeing you when you were a student in Rhode Island. I had gone to Brown University. I was invited there to give a speech uh, on something dealing with hair and identity and culture and all. Y'all know what I like to talk about. So it was something of that nature. (laughs) And I see this beautiful young sister who's got this concept. And at that point, it was just a concept for these dolls. And I was like, oh, well, that's very nice. She's going to make black dolls. I love it. Fully, you know, you know, because y'all know you run into an entrepreneur a day they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And, you know, you hope for the best. Don't really know if it's going to pan out. Entrepreneurship is hard. So imagine my joy when, as a result of watching her over the past many years, not only has she successfully launched this company, but she literally now has a multicultural line of dolls, all of which feature the amazing power of black hair and what we call curl power. Uh, Yalitza, talk with us about your journey. How did you get started with this project? Uh, and, and how does it feel to now be the, the CEO of a, a company that, for all intents and purposes, seems to be thriving? Thank you so much. Everything you said is so true in terms of not knowing whether or not things are going to work out. And just the fact that it started as a class project where I did redesign Rapunzel, but I didn't let it die there. I was inspired by the conversations I had with my peers, you know, us Black women talking about the toys that we had growing up and struggling with our hair and realizing, oh, wow, I didn't have dolls that look like this growing up. None of the dolls that are currently available actually teach you how to love your natural hair and how to wash and style it. And there's an opportunity here for me to do more than just paint a doll brown, but to connect the children mm-hmm. through a product that looks like them and teaches them to love themselves just the way they are. So it was really challenging to go from that class project to a crowdfunding campaign to five years of going from research and development to physical product to being in retail to now being in Target, Macy's, camp stores, and now having thousands of girlfriends all over the country. And what's most important for us is the fact that we get to hear from so many parents and so many children who say she looks like me. That's Mm. the most important part. So I will confess, I did buy a, I bought a doll for a friend of mine, uh, for their daughter. And the little girl was super excited, but I knew that my little Moo Moo also wanted a doll and not just <laughs> because the doll looks like them, but because of the doll's hair. I want to talk about the doll's hair in particular, because when my daughter got this box, the joy on her face when she realized, cause I got her the box and then I got her the hair care kit. So she sees the rollers, she sees the brush. She see, she's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> she's like, Are you serious right now? Talk with us about the doll's hair because that for me was the ultimate selling point. I'm not really big into dolls, but the doll's hair was really what just for me <laughs> took this project over the top. What is so special about Zoe, who is the first doll, Zoe's hair and the hair of all the curl friends who have come along after 
So like you said, they have curl power. So I wanted to do more than just paint the doll brown, but I wanted to create a unique experience around hair care because I didn't know how to do my hair until I was like 22 years old, which mm. just seems so crazy when you think about it. So we wanted to create a doll with hair you could actually wash and style. And when we say wash and style, we mean take the shampoo and conditioner you have in your shower right now and put that in your doll's hair. And the amazing thing is you, we actually now see more and more customers or girlfriends, as we like to call them, doing that with their children. These little girls who, and I never did this when I was growing up, who are taking shampoo and washing their doll's hair, learning how to detangle, being gentle with yes. their natural hair. And knowing how important it is to moisturize and just, you know, how to do braids. Like, I, I, there's so many black women who talk about, like, I never learned how to braid my hair. And it's like, yep. we should all know how to do these things, mm. especially because of how be I like to look at my hair as a canvas. And through working on this company, and you saw me in college, I was very experimental with my hair. I was wearing pink braids. I was doing twists, Havana twists passion twist, bumpiness. There are so many things that are beautiful about our hair. And that's why we wanted to create all three of these dolls with hair you can actually wash and style to show girls, this is what your hair can do. And look mm. at how magical it is. That has been a real game changer for us because even though, you know, my, my daughter is not as tenderheaded as um, my sister. My sister was super, super tenderheaded. <laughs> I didn't even know what tenderheads was. I was like, what is that? That's the thing you just made up. It doesn't exist. I was the oldest child, so that wasn't an option for me. Uh, but my daughter is somewhat tenderheaded. And so being able to take the doll and show on her, uh, show my daughter how on the doll, mommy starts at the ends of the hair. And then we work our way up to yep. the roots. We don't start at the roots because look at what happened. She started at the roots and a little plug. I was like, See, you're going to move some strands. She's like, oh, that's what happens when I feel you pull up. Right. So she's able to look at the doll and engage with the doll in hairstyles. And then she can create a style. And she comes to me and says, mommy, I want this style. I want to do this style. But I, you see how I did this? I want you to do it on the other side. Child, I was up last night putting in perm rods in her hair for picture day. Picture day. I, and I was wrong on the calendar. It's not even today. So we got, but she's like, she created this style with her doll and the perm rods that came with the doll. And then we were able able to replicate that it has really changed our engagement around her hair I, I don't know if that was a, the one of the goals that you had uh, but that's what's happening are you finding that that's also replicated throughout the the voices of the other customers that you've heard from yeah we've had a lot of so th th there's like three things people say to us it's one she looks like me two she has hair like me and it's like wow her hair is beautiful and one thing I've said before in different conversations is Natural hair is not hard. We're just hard on our hair. We Ooh. think our hair is difficult because we don't necessarily know how to take care of it. When we, in the early stages of this company and, and my experience embodying my beauty as a black woman, we would have conversations with people to understand why do we feel like our hair isn't beautiful? Why do we feel like mm. we can't wear these? Why do we feel like we have to perm our hair? Why do we feel like we have to wear straight, like straight styles? Like what's going on? And it's people saying, well, I do whatever my mom did. I don't know what to do and I don't have time. Right. So let's give you guys the knowledge. Let's get these dolls into the hands of children so they learn at an early age and they realize it doesn't have to take 10 hours to do your hair because you, you don't need to force your hair to do something it's not going to do. Mm. Love it where it is. Mm. That's the part for me. It's the love it where it is <laughs> because yes. you know, and I, now that I have locks, I'm sort of re-entering um, the early phases of natural hair life. Like back when I did my big chop, you know, and I was sort of the newness of having natural hair and, and I'm now experiencing that sort of newness within the lock community. And I, it has been a little shocking actually to still see women, even within the lock community who are like me at the beginning parts of their journey, trying to get the hair to straighten 
with locks, right? So uh, concerned about the frizz, concerned about the puffiness of it, when literally locks are puffy, frizzy hair. And just I, I'm seeing even <laughs> still at this phase of the growth of the natural hair community, be it with loose natural hair or with locked hair, there is still this latent desire to tame the hair, to make it do what you want it to do, as opposed to allowing it to sort of thrive in styles that were designed for it. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the mothers or, or the parents of the, of the folks who are getting these dolls. And I want to be, you know, as, as gender expansive as I can be here. But when we're talking about the parents, have you found that there has been a need for re-education for the parents of these young folk who are getting these dolls and excited about what they can do? Because sometimes we as parents are passing on, down intergenerationally negative beliefs about our hair and our beauty. And, and so what role do the parents play when you're engaging with them about these dolls? There are actually parents who are purchasing our products specifically so that they can learn. They want to wow. practice. They want to learn with their child. Um, there are parents who have children of color and they are not a person of color themselves. And they're saying, I need to understand how to take care of my baby's hair. Or I need to understand how to do my hair. And the fact that we not only created the doll, but created resources, so videos, we have a Facebook community where we talk to people, we answer these questions for them. It's important because you don't know what you don't know. So we wanted to make sure that we not only created the product, but created a space for them to have conversation with each other, share what they're learning and ask questions and be a resource to them. But mm. it's definitely a learning experience for everyone. I'm learning things about natural hair every day, whether it's, the type, the way that your hair can change as you're getting older, because I'm not in college anymore, and your hair does change. You try different products, um, different hair. So, so the fact that, like, even with locks, there's so many versatile things you can do with them. But, yeah, it's definitely learning for the parents as well. And I think what's beautiful about it is there I, – I love saying that toys know no age. There's so many older women who have purchased these dolls just because – it was something they didn't have growing up and they're, and they're posting photos and videos styling the dog's hair and creating magic for them. So I think it's really beautiful. Wow. I will say it does give me a place, um, a landscape to try, a canvas, I guess, <laughs> to try things out. Yeah. I'm like, what do you think of this? She's like, Mm-mm, no, not that one. I'm like, okay, well, at least we did it with Zoe and we didn't, you know, spend that time on your head. So it has been very helpful, I will say. And I, you know, I never really thought that I had difficulty with doing hair. I don't have difficulty with doing my hair now. Uh, but little girl styles, that's a different bag, right? Because like you, I didn't start doing my own hair until I was much older. So having loose natural hair as an eight-year-old and coming up with age-appropriate styles a lot easier when you have a doll that you can yeah. practice on. I want to talk a little bit about your success as an entrepreneur because it's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing to be able to roll that vision out, align it with the business plan, do the crowdsource or whatever sort of capital accessing uh, funding opportunities you're a part of, get it on the market, and then continue to expand that market. Can you talk with us about some of the earlier challenges you faced as an entrepreneur um, turning this class project into what is now your thriving enterprise. Every time people list all the things that goes into doing this work, I'm like, did I really do all that stuff? That's, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> but no, early stages. Um, so I don't come from a business background. Like you said, I went to the Rodan School of Design. I was there for art and design. But what I think helped me was the fact that I was going to a college that challenged me to think creatively and focus on problem solving. And then also my parents who are Haitian and being immigrants in this country had to be really resourceful. Um, I talk a lot about my dad's mentality and how he would 
my parents did this thing where they don't say no before they could say yes. Like I would come to him and say like, hey dad, I need to sharpen this pencil. I don't have a pencil sharpener, what I'm supposed to do. He's like, you can sharpen this pencil with anything with an edge, make it work. So it's like, and then going to RISD and then being like, this is a pencil, I can't do anything but write with this. No, it's not, you can break it open, you can take the lead out, you can ground it up, you can mix it with water, now you have paint. So having that mindset took me very, very far. So I had to learn, what I know and what do I not know? And then ask people who have that knowledge. So the fact that I went to your talk when you were at my school because you were a thought leader, I learned from you. Going to spaces mm-hmm. where there are people who are having conversations that are experts helps me learn things. Asking people for help, knowing that um, I have an intended goal and then helping pe- asking people to help me figure out my steps. So going from that class project to a physical product good, I had to develop the product. And then I had to get the mold done. Who do I know that makes molds? Let me talk to my professors. Google was my best friend. And I was Mm. drawing inspiration from all the entrepreneurs that I was buying products from and reaching out to them, see if I could learn from them as well. And that's how I ultimately got to where I am. I put myself in positions to learn from others and challenged myself by doing programs. I I remember specifically there was a program where I got accepted. And this program ultimately taught me how to do digital marketing. But I had to drive eight hours through the night find a find a bedroom in a house through a person in my network in a different state who looked at it for me and then go down and live there for three months. But it was worth it because of all the growth that I got from it. Mm. So I had to put myself in a lot of uncomfortable positions, but it led to growth. So you definitely have to let yourself be challenged. And I think there's a, a certain element of that, let yourself be challenged that really kind of plays on some of the fears that a lot of us have in these spaces, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when you might be the first or the only one uh, who's doing the thing that you're doing, right? And so when we think about the role that our emotional traps can play when it comes to whether or not we're going to move out in purpose, talk with us about some of the, the, the fears that you had, because that is really, you know, having a, a checklist of things you got to do. And if I, I get, get my business plan and I have to register with the Secretary of State so that I'm going to official business, all of that is checklistable, right? You can go down a list and you can, yeah. yep, I did it, did it, didn't do it yet, going to do it tomorrow. And that's fine. But there's sometimes an, an emotional component to whether or not we advance or, or stay stuck that a lot of us don't necessarily explore a little bit. Did you ever grapple with a sense of fear or just a, a sense of doubt that perhaps this might not actually work? Oh, absolutely. That was my mindset the entire time. It was like, this could fail at any moment but you also have to be okay with that. And the reason why I was okay with failure is because I knew that I was doing all the things I needed to do. So if it failed, it failed. But at least I knew I could say, I did everything. I tried everything. I put in the work. Mm. Putting in the work is part of the process. 866-801-8255-866-801-TALK. Let's talk about after the initial uh, setup, and and once you were clear this is what you were going to do, we're going to actually head into a commercial break, so I'm going to pad this question a little bit because we're going to steal a little bit more of your time and keep you through the commercial and bring you back on the other side. (laughs) And if any of you have questions for you, let's uh, give us a call at 866-801-8255-866-801-TALK because it's one thing to have a product. But you haven't just stopped at a product. You now have additional products that you rolled out. And before you even got to the, the other dolls, you created sort of a, an ecosystem around Zoe. And Zoe is the name of the first doll uh, that came out. And, and so Zoe's got outfits, yes. But Zoe also has her own hair care products, uh, the, the, the tools, <laughs> I guess, of the trade. Although my daughter has now forced me to buy many more things uh, for her Zoe doll. Uh, where, 
in addition to having just the product, the idea of having your primary product and then the ancillary products that go around it to create it. I want to talk a little bit about that because I think sometimes we are so busy creating the thing that we forget that we can create additional items to support or additional products that can support the development of that central thing without replicating the thing without, you didn't bring on a whole bunch of dolls at once. You really did root yourself in, or at least this is what it looked like. And I'm going to ask you to, to correct me and push back on this if necessary, but it felt like you were creating an entire ecosystem around the dolls. And so I, I want to talk a bit about that because you, there are some lessons here that I think entrepreneurs really need to get grounded in uh, because I'm, I'm personally a little tired of, of the, that story that says most uh, people who start a business, they fail within the first two to three years. Like I, I hate that story and I want everyone yeah. to be a success story uh, the way I've seen you be a success story. So my conversation with Yelitsa Jean-Charles, the CEO of the Healthy Roots Dolls, and she is talking with us about her journey as an entrepreneur and some of the uh, successes that she's seen along the way, some of the tips that th those of us who are also in the entrepreneurial space uh, can take uh, with us as well. Uh, uh, before the break, Yelitsa, we were talking about the fact that while you now have a line of three dolls, uh, you did not start by launching the first doll quickly followed by the second and then the third. You really focused in on Zoe, uh, that first doll, and then created what I've been calling sort of this ecosystem of products and care around her. Talk with us about that decision. Why did you choose to approach it that way as opposed to releasing all three dolls at once? So one, I do not like to rush things. I'm an artist. I'm mm. very sensitive about my work and I mm. want to make sure I create good products. Um, that's the first thing. But the other thing is we actually did not have the capital to launch all these products at once. But mm. as you mentioned, we didn't want to do that anyways. So for me, it was really important to launch this initial product and understand my core audience and how we were marketing this product and where people were coming from. So who are our customers? Why are they purchasing? What is their experience with this product? What can we improve on? Okay, great. We've got all that initial feedback. Awesome. We understand what marketing works. We understand what about this product is working for people and we understand how they're using it. Now we can take that information and go and put that into our research and development for our next products. Mm. But in addition to that, we wanted to build a world. We don't want to just create one individual flagship product. We wanted to create a co-friends club an experience. So what can we add to our initial doll to focus on hair play? When we actually launched the first time, we partnered with My Black is Beautiful to include hair care products with wow. the doll. So a little shirt that says My Black is Beautiful, a shirt for the kid, hair care products, because we wanted to hone in on that hair play. That, that no longer exists, but it helped us establish our product as the curl friend with curl power. After that, we then went on to our curl power kit, which we call it that because we're activating people's curl power with their hair and have make sure people understand that this is a hair play doll. Then we added accessories and outfits that align with children's interests. So cheerleading, soccer, uh, we have a little ballet outfit, we have some fashion. Okay, great. Now that we've established this initial line of products, let's introduce Zoe's friends that she met at camp and expand on this world. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for us to introduce this first product, establish our brand, create a little bit of a world around her, and then introduce her new friends so that we can continue to build off of that. But we wanted to understand our audience first and who we were working with and for. 
Wow. I, I absolutely love that. I, and I, I'm so excited about the rollout of the, these products and, and how I've just seen it impact my own little one. Uh, we actually have a caller on the line, uh, that, a caller from Texas, Khadijah from Texas. Thank you so much for calling, Khadijah. What would you like to say this morning? Hey, good morning. And good thank morning. you, Alisa, for your dollars. I actually purchased three. I bought one, I believe, 2018, but I also bought one for a beautiful nine-year-old. She was dark and forced curly hair. However, she cut all of Zoe's hair off Ooh. because she told me she wanted Zoe to look more like her. So I was going to ask you, have okay. you been doing this teeny-weeny Afro dolls So that's that a great question, Khadija. Yeah. That's a great question. Do we have any teeny-weeny Afro doll- dolls uh, on the assembly line coming to market? You know what? Anything is possible, but what my favorite thing about our dolls is, well, maybe not shaving her head completely, but you can give her a little bit of a haircut. So maybe we should do a tutorial on how to do that. Mm, I like that. I like that. And I, you know, so the texture of the doll's hair and, and now even as we move from Zoe to, oh, I'm sorry, Khadija, did you have a follow-up question? I just realized <laughs> I wanted to come back to you. I'm <laughs> no, so no, sorry. that was it. Because I was like, oh, my God, this doll is expensive. And she cut all her hair off. But that's all. That's all. When she, when she said she wanted to look more like her, I couldn't say anything. I mean, it makes yeah, sense. I respect it. It's, it's in the well, spirit of the toy. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that, Khadija. L- let's talk a little bit about the differing hair textures and the skin complexions of the dolls. Uh, I've seen it phrased as a multicultural look. They all look like black girls to me. Uh, just, you know, you got the light skin, the dark skin, the medium skin. You got like sort of this range. Talk with us about sort of the intentionality that went behind the skin color identification. Uh, and then let's talk about the hair textures, too. So when I first started the company as a class project and was figuring out whether or not I wanted to pursue it, that was my goal. It's like, I want to be a multicultural doll line telling stories from around the world, but I want to start with the African diaspora and creating dolls I've never seen on shelves. So one of my favorite dolls is actually Guyana. And and we'll, we'll see in the comments on, on some of our posts where people will talk about her two-toned lips or the shape mm. of her lips, like, exactly. These are features that I've never seen on a doll that I think are beautiful. And I'm like, why aren't these being designed in this way? So mm. we always wanted to have different skin tones, different facial features, and different hair textures. We aren't able to customize at this time, but I think we've created some really good options that a lot of people can see themselves in. So each doll's face is actually uniquely designed. I have drew them, I sculpted them, and then we worked with a 3D designer to bring them to life as the doll renderings and then work with our factory to produce them. And we wanted each doll to have a unique face and unique hair texture that can be washed in style because we're all beautiful and different. So why not have that in our dolls? Mm, I love that. Now, I have a question for you about heat. Are you able to use a curling iron with the doll? That's a question that I see. And I, and I we haven't tried that here. We don't use heat-based uh, tools here other than, you know, our, our occasional blow dry. Uh, so that's not something we've experienced yet. Are you able to use heat with the doll's hair? So our number one rule for our dolls is don't do anything that's going to create um, what's the word, like forever damage. So we, mm-hmm. oh, people will ask us, like, please don't put heat on the doll's hair because we don't know what's going to happen once you do that and we don't know if we can fix it. So it's always better to just play it safe and mm. keep water and styling products. There's a metaphor there, Yalitza. I, I'm just saying there's a message <laughs> there. Uh, when it <laughs> Don't do anything damaging to the doll's hair. It just so happens that a lot of our hairstyling 
processes and tools require us to engage in very damaging things. It is, it's literally burning your hair when you're using those very hot products. So that there's a metaphor there. If it's too dangerous for the doll query, whether it is also similarly dangerous for us, you know, it's not a question you have to answer. (laughs) Don't want to put you out there. You got, you know, we're going to make sure we protect your economy. I'm just saying folks, I'm just saying. Uh, So Yalitza, (laughs) we're coming to the end of our time together today. Uh, But any advice that you have for people who are similarly mulling over concepts. They have, you know, maybe a class project, maybe just a dream that they've had for a long time, products that they want to put out, uh, things that they want to launch. How would you, what would you suggest that they do? The first few steps that they should be taking to make sure that they are going to be entering the field of entrepreneurship as healthily as possible. So um, one thing that I will say is a lot of people think that the the secret's in the manufacturer and it's not. You could wear the same shoes as Michael Jordan and you won't be Michael Jordan. You could have the same manufacturer as someone and you won't have the same product. It starts with you. It starts with your design, your concept, your mission. And you have to make sure that before you do anything, you're passionate about it. The reason why I've been doing this since college is because I care about the problem I'm trying to solve. And it's not about making dolls for me. My mission is to empower the next generation through representation to make sure that they're as confident as I am as an adult without all the trauma that I had to experience to get here. That's my mission. That's what drives me in my product design. I want these girls to be confident, to be powerful, to be future leaders. Let's make sure that we show them images that empower them to be that. So making sure that you're starting with a problem you're passionate about and then figuring out the steps between your end goal and then where you want to be. So you have to figure out what you want to do, figure out how to do it, and then do it. And it's the figuring out how to do it that challenges a lot of people because we spend a lot of time thinking. We don't spend a lot of time doing. You have to constantly be testing things doing things and changing as you're doing it. Because if you're doing the same thing over and over again, it's the definition of insanity. You're not going to get different results. Mm -hmm. You have to be consistently growing. So identify your problem, identify your audience, figure out what your product's going to be, launch something. It doesn't have to be perfect. Launch something and then go from there. Mm, I love that because it, it, for me, at least it removes the sense of paralysis. It doesn't have to be perfect people before you launch. I know you want it to be amazing. You want the lighting to be amazing. Just launch it. (laughs) I can't tell you how many things I have sat on because they weren't perfect that frankly, somebody else was able to pick up and do. And and that's the other thing about great ideas. You're not the only one that's going to get them and the universe needs some things to be done. So if you ain't going to do it, the universe does have other people in its pocket who will listen and move forward. Uh, Identify the problem, identify your solution, your audience, and consistently grow. These are steps towards successful entrepreneurship. And I just got to be honest with you. Uh, Yeah, you know, as a young, watching you from your college era till now, it's been a real joy, like a real pleasure (laughs) at seeing you thrive to the point where I didn't have any children. I don't think, was it that long ago? No, I think I had a son. Yes, I had my child. I had one son, uh, my oldest, when I was, uh, when I first saw you and to now have a whole nine-year-old daughter who is a beneficiary of your work, it just means a lot to me. Uh, And I'm really grateful for what you're doing and how you're helping to change the, the way that our young people literally see themselves and the value that we bring to the world. How can people follow you and, and connect with you? How can they get the dolls? Uh, we want, is there a list we can be on for the teeny weeny Afro version so we can get the, the heads up, like the wait list? Give us all the details, sis. How do we connect with you? Yes, yeah, so you can connect with us at Healthy Roots Dolls. We have our own website, healthyrootsdolls.com, Healthy Roots Dolls on Instagram. 
uh, TikTok. I personally, Yolita Jean Charles, you can find me on all social. And then we have an email list on our website that you can sign up for to see all the things that we're working on. And then to speak on the comment about your daughter, it's crazy that we've been around long enough to watch children grow with our doll, mm. like from being like two years old to four. It's amazing. I love it. It, yeah, and it is a blessing, and you are a blessing, and I'm grateful for you. Uh, y'all follow her. This sister's doing things, and watch how she moves. I anticipate she will be with <laughs> us for a very, very long time. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. Uh, we are going to head into, yeah, let's give that round of applause. That's right. 